who are this year's Trojans? Are they a championship-level team, or are they a pretender? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Holkin, and thank you for making a Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching this show on YouTube, wherever you're downloading your podcast, this show is free. I appreciate your support. Do me a favor. Show your appreciation. If you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button, and most importantly, hit that thumbs up button. They mean a lot to the show, and I don't want you to miss any of my episodes. Click that bell notification, and you're covered Monday through Friday and even on Sundays. All right, we are literally just at the halfway mark of the college football playoff race, right? 12-game regular season, USC Trojans, they're 6-0. Is it time to hit the reset button? Just curious. Look, USC, they have the number one scoring offense in the country. That's what Lincoln Riley said. So let's not write them off just yet, even though they're 6-0 and they seem to be dropping in the polls every week. We're going to talk about that in the third segment. But again, those were Lincoln Riley's words. He kind of par- I'm paraphrasing what he said after the game versus USC's win over the Arizona Wildcats this past weekend. When I asked him about USC's offensive uh, identity following Saturday's I'll call it a stressful 43-41 to 41 Trojan victory in triple overtime. Um, I asked him about that, uh, and that his his answer, the end of the answer was, let's just not, let's not write us off yet. I'll get back to his full answer here shortly. Um, I, I know last week, I, I probably went full cardinal and gold rose-colored glasses with my score prediction. But my rationale was based on emotion and science. With USC coming home, following their two games on the road where they really didn't perform up to their abilities in either game, at least for a full 60 minutes, um, I anticipated Lincoln Riley cracking the whip at practice this week and having the team literally ready to show up in front of the home crown, home crowd Uh, under the lights, at the Coliseum, looking to go and stay undefeated on national TV. There's a lot to play for. So, you know, all of that, national TV, trying to stay undefeated, playing at home, under the lights, that's the science part of it. Instead, you know, they came home, played at the Coliseum, and like some former Trojan coach teams, um, I'm not going to mention any names, but there are two who come to mind. Both last names started with an H. That's your only hint. Um, sure, you know, the Trojans got the win. That's the primary goal. But they didn't look good playing at home. So, you know, getting that win. That's the primary goal, right? It's muy importante. That's my French for no duh. But 
that's the, e- the easy part of the schedule. It's now over. We've passed it up. And USC is traveling on their next game. They're playing their rival, Notre Dame, next Saturday. Primetime TV, again, at night, under the lights, this time at Notre Dame Stadium, where USC hasn't had a whole lot of success in their, in their history. Uh, they've had some nice success there, but it doesn't come along too often. I'm not sure if Lincoln Riley has his team right now. We're talking at the halfway mark, ready to compete on the road for a championship. If they can't look good at home and handle their business against Arizona, then why should anybody anticipate they're going to be able to handle the pressure of an angry Notre Dame team who is actually coming home after losing to Louisville uh, by two touchdowns? And oh, by the way, in case you forgot, the last time Notre Dame played at home, they lost to Ohio State in dramatic fashion. For me, right now, there's two major issues uh, that appear that are appearing together, and they happened on the same day this past Saturday when USC took on Arizona. We knew the Trojan defense was going to be an issue this year. We were just kind of hoping it wasn't going to be a major issue. Well, we know what happens when you hope in one hand and pray in the other. Uh, you'll end up with the same result. You'll still be looking in your hands for a solution uh, to a defense that literally cannot tackle and cannot give up. Who still they are giving up, you know, big plays in the secondary. Um, and what makes this conundrum so hard for USC fans to accept is other teams' offensive weaknesses. They seem to find a way to heal themselves against USC when they're playing USC's defense. And for the last, you know, we can use the last game plus plus, which means Arizona, portions of Arizona State, and then Colorado, where the offense is having trouble finding itself. Yes, they are the number one scoring offense in the country, but they haven't looked good in a while. I mean, let's be honest about this, can we? You know, one piece of the team that I did not anticipate having an identity identity crisis um, was the offense. And I asked Coach Riley after the game why the offense can't seem to find itself going back to the Colorado game. Last week, it was USC's running game. And this week, you know, it was the passing game that, for whatever reason, just fell into a funk. Um, And this has been going on now from the fourth quarter when USC played in Boulder, Colorado, two weeks ago, up until, what, the nine-minute, 49 minutes, 43-second mark of the second quarter at home against Arizona? They failed to score a point during that time span. My question was, when I asked Coach Riley after the game, you know, about his the team's offensive identity, my question wasn't intended to make him feel defensive. But right now, the offense is all Caleb all the time. What is their identity? Are they a pass first to set up the run? Can they run to set up the pass? I don't know. Because neither one is working in concert with each other. They're they're literally, the offense right now is 
out of tune. This was Lincoln Riley's full answer. I think it might be the number one offense in the country right now. My expectations are higher than anybody's. I want to score every freaking time we have the ball. In reality, that's not going to happen. And you can either panic or you can get back on it. We didn't play our best tonight by any stretch, but one game to another, I wouldn't count us out just yet. That was Coach Riley. I suppose I could have called out the play calling directly, but that's armchair coaching. Struggling on the road, that's explainable. It's understandable. However, not scoring at home and punting on your first three offensive drives? Whoa. Stop with the coach speak. No more cliches. Because I'm using these last three games as my evidence. Um, Because if USC's offense doesn't play at a peak performance, it's not the USC's offense isn't good enough to cover for its defense. It has to play at its top level. It can't take time off, especially going on the road starting this weekend. The, I, I know um, Caleb, and I know the team is hearing all all the shade that's being thrown at, at in the direction of the defense. Caleb heard it, and after the game Saturday, he put on his captain's cape. And uh, he protected his brothers, as he should. Any good leader is going to, you know, throw, is never going to throw his boys under the bus. But his words were a little bit more measured um, than Bryson Shaw's from the previous week. Uh, but the message was still heard loud and clear from Caleb. Quote, we wouldn't have won that game without our defense. We were down 17 to zero. So this whole defensive thing, our brothers, the score wouldn't be 43 to 41 without them. So put it simply that way. I can't argue those words. He's absolutely correct. The score would not have been 43 to 41 without the Trojans defense, to put it simply. Um, I'm going to try and deconstruct part of it in the next segment, specifically the secondary and why Arizona finished with 41 points. First, we're going to get to this. It's now time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. How about the USC two-point defense? Yes. Sounded like I was going to be cracking on them all show. Not so. The same way Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game, Kalen Bullock broke up a two-point conversion attempt in regulation, and rush end Jamil Muhammad, he got the game-winning tackle for loss in the third overtime in a really tightly contested game where the USC offense struggled. The Trojans' defense made the plays, helping them win the game. And because athletic brewing, uh, because their brews are non-alcoholic, you can enjoy more of them as well. Before, during, or after the game, Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic brews that actually taste good. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first order. That's code LOCKEDON 
at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing, fit for all times. Yeah, the college football season is here, and this season, Locked On, we are kicking up our coverage each Friday. Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications. They're coming up, the conference rivalry games, and they're going to go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Live every Friday from 11 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on any on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. What Caleb Williams meant about the score would not have been USC 43, Arizona 41 without the defense is if the defense did not make some big plays um, during the game, then maybe the offense doesn't stumble across the finish line with the win. That's what I think Caleb was trying to uh, imply when he when he gave those those words of wisdom uh, to the media following the game Saturday. And he's right. He's absolutely if that was his message, he's absolutely correct because without um, without those big plays during the game, like I said, the offense, they're not going to have an opportunity to get to that overtime. When games go into an extra session, it's all about converting two-point two point conversions, right? It's, it's basically what it comes down to. USC converted a couple, and USC's defense stopped a couple. One during regulation, one in overtime. The one in regulation um, was pretty impressive because if Kalen Bullock doesn't do that, I don't know if we go to overtime. And if you saw the end of the game, regulation, USC never got a chance to kick that game-winning field goal. They would have still been in that same type of situation. The words situational mastery will always be associated with Clay Hilton's time at USC. However, uh, Trojan fans, Lincoln Riley loves to read from that book. Quote, we've been working it. I'm glad we had the confidence to get it done. It was something that gave Caleb a chance to run it or throw it. Guys executed in the end, and that's what you practice for those moments. Throughout the uh, offseason, we really spent a lot of time on situational ball. To stop a couple of their two-point plays, that was the game there in the end. Again, I'm proud of our guys for getting it done, end quote. That was Lincoln Riley talking about his situational mastery, how they were able to convert their two-point conversions and stop the other team. And like I said, that turned out to be the winning score for USC. Because on that third overtime series, um, that's when... Uh, So in that third overtime uh, period, Caleb 
Caleb Williams reflected on, on, on how it really all came about. We were just playing the car that we got to the best of our ability. The emphasis this week was training and effort and playing as hard as we can play. I believe, like Caleb said, the longer we go, the better we get. I think that the last the last play was really the epitome of the epitome of that. Um, any other team with with less of a culture wouldn't have shown up like that. I believe that we came together as a brotherhood and did what we had to do and just gave great effort. I can't remember if that was actually Caleb Williams or Jamil Muhammad talking, but that came at the end of the game, and they. They really want to talk about how the team came together. The offense did what they had to. The defense did what they had to during those two-point situations. Kalen Bullock's breakup could probably be seen as making sure USC got a chance to win in overtime. I mentioned that a few minutes ago because of the way the regular the regulation ended. That sequence at the end of the game was just yikes. Get out of the way. I never want to see that again. Following the game, uh, Coach Riley talked about how proud he was of the defense. I thought we, I thought we took some great steps. Again, when you go down seventeen to zero, you get tested right there internally. Do you really believe our guys ready to really fight? As Jamil Muhammad said, as I've said before, your culture gets tested quick, and the defense is what got us going. Defense is what won this football game. It got us going in the beginning down 17 to zero and it closed it against a it closed it against a play that they've been running well all night. Closed it with a huge tackle for loss to win the game. So I'm proud of those guys. We're gonna get better. Missed a lot of pieces tonight. Talking about personnel. Even as the game went on, guys got in there and responded. So we'll keep it growing. And I'm and I'm proud of the fight tonight. Look, they it's true. What Lincoln Riley said there in a nutshell, they did. The defense made some big plays, and everyone's going to remember Jamil Muhammad's tackle for loss to end the game. Don't forget about Jacoby Covington. You know, he got things started in the second quarter <laughs> with the uh, interception that put USC's offense back on the field, and that was literally right after, you know, USC had fumbled the ball away. It was a, it's a pretty big play for Jacoby to come up with that. I mentioned Kalen Bullock's pass breakup. But besides those plays, the secondary, again, got torched. This time for 300 yards. This time by a backup quarterback starting on the road for the first time. He threw five touchdowns. We talked about Jacoby's one interception. So five touchdowns against one interception. That's not too bad on the road in your first start. I know a lot of people that'll take those numbers. And he did that. Well, for one, let's keep, I want to make sure everybody understands. Damani Jackson, he wasn't available. He's got an injury. Uh, Christian Wolin Wallace, he came out of the game with an undeclosed injury. We're not sure what it is right now, but he didn't return. So the depth that was already thin at cornerback, it got like rice paper thin. Uh, when the game was over, uh, after Jacoby Covington, you were basically down to with Prophet Brown and Sierra Wright um, on the field playing a cornerback. You had Kalen Bullock, you had Zion Branch, Max Williams, Bryson Shaw. Uh, 
last week's highlights in Colorado, those were tough, especially if you played in the secondary, especially if you were trying to stop the run. It was a rough day for the defense. I, I mentioned Bryson Shaw. He took he took it personally. He he took on responsibility. Uh, this week there were plenty of fingers to point around. Point, you know, as you said, when you point one finger, there's three more pointing back at you. Do it. There they are. Again, um, we saw more deep ball completions in coverage, and it's not like they were not in position to make the play because. There were a couple more near interceptions that never happened. Bryson Shaw was in on one of them. The big plays downfield, you know, those are tough enough to deal with. But the tackling or the lack thereof, you know, that's getting just getting bad. Well, it's not getting. It is bad. When it comes to the secondary, Alex Grinch, Dante Williams, those are the two guys who are in charge. Even the coordinator, Alex Trench, he he's in charge of the safeties. Coach Dante Williams, he handles the cornerbacks. I think more than anything else, it really is the scheme that makes life difficult. When I'm seeing Eric Gentry and Mason Cobb 30 to 40 yards downfield in coverage, it's a schematic thing. I mean, look, there isn't a linebacker in the country, well, maybe, um, maybe there is, but there aren't too many linebackers in the country that are going to be able to pass cover for that long of a time against a running back, a tight end, let alone a wide receiver. Don't ask them to do that. This coming weekend, we've got Notre Dame. They're, they're USC's next test. They brought in Sam Hartman, the quarterback from uh, what Wake Forest, right? Well, this one, they have to, this test, they're going to have to pass with an above average grade, USC defense, secondary. Or not only will the Irish run all over the Trojans with that big bully running back, Estimus, uh, Sam Hartman is talented enough a quarterback uh, to throw on this, U, this USC secondary. Again, this is a wounded Notre Dame fighting Irish team. They're coming home. They lost to Louisville. They're ranked number 21 now. There was a lot of anticipation for this game. Last time Notre Dame played at home, they lost a uh, dramatic game, heartbreaker, to Ohio State. They don't lose two in a row at home too often. And they don't lose to USC at home very often. We'll see what happens this game. The secondary has got to step up their game if they're going to help USC go from potential championship contender to they got a roller coaster ride ahead of them. I'm using a lot of these words. If you caught my Sunday reaction show, it'll make sense. My everyday viewers know exactly what I'm talking about. I want you to become an everyday viewer and listener. We're going to talk about the uh, the newest, latest AP poll that was released Sunday. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions will apply. The Your undefeated USC Trojans. They're 6-0, okay, right? They're still a top 10 team in the latest AP poll. Barely. The Trojans, for the third week in a row, despite winning, have dropped in the polls. They've gone from number five in week four to number eight to number nine last week after their win against Colorado on the road. This week at home, triple overtime win. Your USC Trojans are now the number 10 team ranked, number 10 ranked team in the country. That's what happens. Three straight closer than anticipated wins and you fall. I asked Coach Riley about sending a message weeks ago, right? Yes, I'm nodding my head for those who are listening and not watching. I mentioned it. Number five in week four. Then you win by two touchdowns at Arizona State. You drop down to number eight. Wow. The Colorado win, they drop down to number nine. And now, again, they're number 10 in the country. One spot, one spot down. Guess who jumped up to number five? Oklahoma. They got that because of their win over number... Um, they jumped from number 12 to number five on the strength of their win over then number, were they four or three, Texas. It's not time to panic. However, the Trojans, um, they're going to need to make the most of their opportunities that are coming up, starting this Saturday against Notre Dame. They're ranked, the Fighting Irish dropped down to number 21. You went on the road in South Bend you get credibility points. You get cred status with the voters. You blow Notre Dame out. You're going to see, you might see USC rise back up a few spots, not just maybe one or two. Like I said, USC has a, probably more chances than anybody else um, as going down these last six games of the season based on who they're playing. Um, you know, you've got Notre Dame, you've got Washington, you've got Oregon, you've got Utah in there, UCLA. So there's a, there, there's still time. But, you know, there's a reason I asked Lincoln Riley about sending a message. USC and the Pac-12 have a higher bar to climb. It's been that way forever. So here is your current top 25 poll, top to bottom. Georgia, one. Michigan, two. Ohio State, three. Florida State, four. 
I mentioned Oklahoma, five, Penn State, six, Washington, seven, Oregon, eight, Texas, nine, USC, 10. So every team ahead of USC is undefeated except for the number nine ranked Texas Longhorns. This goes to my point. USC is undefeated and they're not getting the respect they deserve. They're the first team that's still undefeated that's ranked behind a one-loss team. Right behind USC, Alabama at number 11. Who Texas beat? Alabama's not that good this year. North Carolina at 12, Ole Miss 13, 14, Louisville. They jumped up from 25 with their win over Notre Dame. Oregon State at 15, 16 is Utah, 17, Duke, UCLA, 18. Washington State drops to 19 with that loss on the road at UCLA. Actually, Tennessee and Washington, uh, Washington State are tied at 19. Then you've got Notre Dame at 21, Can't LSU at 22. They've got two losses now. And you've got Kansas at 23, Kentucky at 24. Miami rounds out the top 25. Sending a message is important. We are getting close to the playoff polls. They're going to be released, what, in the next two weeks? Three weeks? I can't remember. They come out, what, after week nine, I think? Week eight? Somewhere around there. I am not smarter than Lincoln Riley. I would never suggest that. However, I do think I know how the Pac-12 is perceived nationally better than Coach Riley. He's still learning this terrain. Starting next season, when USC is a member of the big conference, um, this won't be much of a concern. It's a perception thing. It's how it's always been. And that's how it's always going to be. Well, at least for this year, because it's the end of the conference. The Pac-2 lives on forever, Oregon State and Washington State. I have history on my side. Too many times USC has gotten jumped in the polls, either when they win or even if they lose on the same weekend as a as another team. USC can literally lose on the road. Other teams can lose at home. And USC does not get the benefit of the doubt, ever. If you need a recent sample, like I said, one loss Texas is rated ahead of an undefeated team, USC team, this year. Shouldn't happen. Not when you were ranked number five, what, three weeks ago? Come on. So there it is. There is your new AP top 25. USC checks in at number 10. We'll see where they are at the end of next weekend. I'll be back with another episode of Locked on USC tomorrow. Start talking about that Notre Dame game, and we'll put that Arizona game to bed for good because USC did improve to 39-8 and eight on the series. Make sure you check out that. And you check out another episode of Locked on USC. So until then, everyone, you know what to do.